0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hawks at Podcast. I'm Ron Brown, one of the co-hosts. Tonight, I'm joined by two co-hosts. I got my man, Kenny, who's held it down for the previous three episodes. How you doing tonight, Kenny? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. As always. And then we got a, a new co-host tonight. We got Juan. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Juan, a little bit and, and give us your background as a Hawks fan briefly.
1: Well, okay. My name is Juan Davis II, a.k.a. J.D. to the Duke. Uh, born and raised here in Atlanta. been a Hawks and a Falcons fan since my life. I was a student at Georgia State and uh, studied in journalism, so
0: we'll be able to do this in the near future. All right. I right, appreciate you coming on with us, Juan. And We're just going to go ahead and get into it right now. Let's kind of start with tonight. Uh, we're recording this podcast shortly after the Hawks took the L to Raptors 105-97. I'll start it off with Kenny and let him give his thoughts on the game. Uh, we had a, a brief winning streak before this loss, but uh seems like the Raptors have had our number the whole season, man. What, what's up with this? Uh, these uh, games against the Raptors this year?
2: And the games against the Raptors are kind of they, – they tell a bigger sign that we struggle with the dribble drive. I mean, the, the the Martin Rosen, and whether it be Kyle Lowry and the pick and rolls, we struggle to really defend Um, Them man-to-man or, well, not necessarily man-to-man as far as point guards, but at least man-to-man when it comes to DeRozan and Ross. So we struggle with the dribble drive. And it's been an issue that we've had all year. But against Toronto, when they have the best slasher in the NBA right now, DeMar DeRozan, it comes in the full scale. Toronto also does a really good job of defending uh, our movement on offense. And they're a team that don't they really cover the passing lanes well, so the more you pass the ball, even if you move without the ball, you're going to struggle with that against a Toronto-led defense because they really have quick hands, they're very long, and they're, they're very patient on defense. so they're a team that kind of has been matched up to give us nightmares all of the last three or four years so this is not new us struggling with Toronto is actually something that's been going on for three years now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, the struggles against Toronto a little, because as Juan and me were talking before the podcast, you know, you have struggles with teams in the regular season or you play well against them, and then the playoffs, things change a little bit, kind of like us in Cleveland last year. But from uh, this game tonight, yeah. what did you see, Juan? Uh, was it, you know, struggle with the defense, as Kenny noted, or were there some other things you saw? Man,
1: um Toronto being physical, man. They got the bigs, they got the uh, the wing defenders, everything else. Uh, when you see Kyle Lowry and when you see see uh, the big center that they have there, they was just a little bit more physical with us tonight. Actually, during the whole uh, series since last year, so we just don't have strength physically. If we see them, if we're still I say third and we have to face Toronto. We're going to have to try to find a different strategy so we'll be able to go up against that, against them being physical because that's going to kill us in um, the playoffs. But I do have some hope, though, uh, from what I saw, how they was able to come back during the third quarter and um, tighten up the lead uh, around, let say, five until Toronto started doing what they do. Um, so, tonight uh, for the Hawks, but... Uh, it was expected for them to lose uh, the way that they did, but I'm proud of the guys. So
0: that's how they roll. That's Toronto just to have our number this year. That's that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just been like that, and, and you know we mentioned the physicality and, and the lack of, you know, only carrying really three big men, or four if you count Muscala playing some some minutes uh, this year, and you know we'll see how it how it turns out as the season progresses, but outside of this game, the Hawks have played well since our last podcast a couple of weeks ago. I mean, let's see, we've only lost was the second loss in a couple of games, lost to the Wizards last week and lost this game tonight. So, you know, been uh, mm-hmm. probably the hottest team in the Eastern Conference. What has led to that from what you've seen, Kenny?
2: Uh, what has led to it has been a multitude of things. First and foremost, our defense while it hasn't been as sharp as it was when we first started the winning streak uh, we're really playing opportunistic defense and we're playing situational defense something that we complained about earlier this year remember that was a big issue that we had where we would play good defense but when it mattered the most our defense would would, would fall in the tank uh, as of right now that's not the case we are getting a lot of steals in, in the uh, late, late seconds of the shot clock we're playing great um, team defense. We're communicating with one another. Our defense is really sharp, and that's a big part of our winning streak. And uh, the biggest thing is, and this is actually brought up by P Street Hoops as well, is it simply our starting lineup has really improved in, in our, during our winning streak, especially in the month of, in the month, in the, in the month starting since February. We have outscored our opponents by 14.1 points per 100 possessions. And also our defensive rate. Well, we already mentioned our defensive defensively, but we had a 93 uh, defensive rating in those 17 game samples. Primarily, our starting lineup being much better has been a big ish, a big help. And uh, a part of it is the Baysmore conundrum. We we talked about it more negatively before, but Baysmore now has seamlessly started playing the role that we he needs to play in offense, which is. If you do not have an open shot, pass the ball. If you do not have an open lane to drive, pass the ball. That was something baseball was having trouble with before he was trying to dribble like he was Joe Johnson. He, he wasn't Joe Johnson, and we've seen it firsthand. But now we're seeing him play within himself. We're also seeing Jeff T play a lot better at the point guard position. We're seeing Culver shoot back to his regular percentages, which is, well, extremely, well, extremely high percentages. We're also seeing a more motivated, Al Horford, especially on the boards, Al Horford's been phenomenal. He's He's been our best defensive player, even though if you look at statistics, you'll say that Millsap has happened just as good as a year as any other defender. We give a lot of the freedom that he has on defense is in big mention to what we're getting from Horford. Everything Horford does on the defensive end, the little things, the space that he covers, it gives the opportunity for someone like Millsap to play the Josh Smith freelance role. And that freelance role, is great for, you know, putting up numbers like that. And Millsap has done nothing short of that. So we have been getting good contribution from our starters again. But our bench obviously has been fantastic the entire year. And in fact, our bench was good tonight. I mean, For the most part, our bench wasn't the ones getting blown out by 30, 20 points. It was our starters. Our bench played the whole fourth quarter, and they cut the lead. They cut a 23-point lead down to eight. So we lost by eight points. And, in fact, they actually turned. they actually cut the lead to eight with five minutes with four minutes left so our bench is most definitely has most definitely been effective we have a, t- a five-man bench and each one of those guys give us good production and tonight we actually we even played Muscala so it was a little different than, it was norm- than what it normally is but we've been getting some really good production from our bench the coaching has been a little bit better but Bud starting to understand his sub patterns a little bit better than he did uh, before so that's pretty much the that's the privy of it. I mean, for the most part, we're we're winning games based on the fact that things are clicking.
0: Yeah, you look at the bench and just all the factors. Of course, we talked a lot about Chris Humphreys in the last podcast. Schroeder has been on fire. Jeff Teague has arisen and we'll talk a little bit about more about him a little bit later. But uh Juan, I mean the past couple weeks have been strong. Hawks have been arguably the best team in the East. Uh do you think this is what we're peaking at the right time compared to last year when we kind of peaked the first half of the year into February, of course, the long winning street, and then we kind of tailed off later. So, you think we're peaking at the right time, or is it uh maybe a week or two too early? Um, I was going to
1: say this for the point two, but uh, since you brought it to attention, the way that we've been performing for the last two weeks, man. Um, at Washington, it was a win, 118 through 114. Uh, at Denver, uh, well, Denver, uh, 116 to 198. We have been playing a lot better compared to last year uh, with the all-star break where we just kind of fell off off the wagon. So um, it's a pleasure to see what the Hawks are doing um, this year compared to last year. So I'm pretty satisfied with where the boys are doing this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're all, we've only lost uh, three games. Tonight's loss makes three, let's see, one, two, three. Actually, it's four, four games in March. Um, and, of course, we don't play again until till Friday, so that wraps up the month. But mm-hmm. as, as we kind of keep moving on forward, let's combine two topics in one. Let's kind of talk about this, our second-half MVP and a few opinions on the second half, and also talk about uh, Ken Bazemore, who's a free agent coming up. I'll go ahead and let Kenny jump that topic off. Well, my
2: second-half MVP this year and this is a tough one because obviously we're going to talk about Jeff Teague a little bit later. So he's somebody that's oh, that's a, that's my co-MVP. But let's talk about the person that we're going to cover right now, which without question is Tim Hardaway Jr. Now we've mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. last week's show. We have mentioned him a couple other times before as well. But Tim Hardaway has really stepped his game up. Now in the last couple of games, he's had struggled with his shot. Well, not necessarily against Toronto, but in the game, the previous games, the, our previous wins, he has struggled with his shot but he's really getting into the right spots. He's really playing great team defense. He's very opportunistic. He's playing exceptionally well within the constructs of the minutes he plays. And that is something that we did not expect from Tim Hardaway jr coming in. We did not we expected him to score. That was something we knew that he would do. but he's really starting to put himself in the right positions. even in his missed shots, he's open. He, puts a, he, he, he finds a way to get open. He makes the right cuts. He's starting to realize, okay, this is when I shoot, this is when I dribble, this is when I take it to the basket, and this is when I attack the paint. He under, he's starting to pick up this slashing ability. We're starting to see shades of a, of a young Clay Thompson in Atlanta. And that is something that I think we should really hold to, that there's a possibility this kid can be a young Clay Thompson. He's maybe a little bit more athletic Clay. So that's one thing that we have gained from this is we might be having a good two-way player, and I don't think none of us saw that when we traded for him. So all in all, Tim Hardaway has been my second-half MVP just by the sheer improvement that he made from first half. The first half of the year he was in the NBDL. I watched the NBDL games. He wasn't even the best, one of the best players in the team for the Austin Spurs. He was, and that's sad. That is sad. The only person I remember being like that was like Dennis Schroeder, and like this was his rookie year. And he was terrible his rookie year. So to see the level of confidence, the level of skill, the level of maturation that we have seen from him, he's my second half MVP.
0: I think off the bounce, uh, Tim Hardaway is a little bit better than Clay, and of course not the shooter. But you know, as he develops, man, if he can be anywhere in that in that atmosphere. I think the Hawks definitely got a steal in that in that trade, and I mean he's coming along, he's getting the minutes and everything. I think uh, my second half MVP will probably be uh, Dennis Schroeder, just the way he's played. We sung his praises plenty of times uh, over the past few weeks, and you know it'll soon be his his team uh, whenever you know the Hawks move on from Jeff Teague. But the team is is I asked the question in the last. Segment, but I think the team is peaking at the right time going into the playoffs. You got to be peaking at the right time, and it's right now the second half. I guess after the after the All Star break and everything. So, Juan, who's your MVP? And uh, what do you think about the second half a little bit? My um, second half MVP, uh, well MVP,
1: uh, I apologize for that. It's got to be uh, the Anchorman, uh, Paul Millsap, aka Stitches. You saw the way that he got a uh, hit. In the face, so like you know, they should call him stitches or something like that. He had the bricks in his face. But the way that Paul has been doing his thing since last year and since this year, I mean, seventy-four games, seventeen point two points per game, rebounds, of eight point seven. If it wasn't for Paul Millsap, man, I don't think the Hawks would be where they are. Well, I take that back. If it was, if it wasn't for both Paul Millsap and the boss Al Horford. Like, the bigs, man, the bigs that we got on this team, man, it's just it's just bananas of what uh, Paul Millsap and uh, Al Horford is doing um, this season. So, actually, my 1A and my 1B is uh, Paul Millsap and Al Horford.
0: I really can't disagree with that. I'll say more Horford than anything. Um, we've talked about how invaluable he is. But, I mean, Kenny, you, I'll go ahead and let you call it on that because Horford is a uh, – Is more valuable for the Hawks than probably any other team that can acquire him. Would you say the same? Would you say so?
2: No, I wouldn't say that. I think he'd be valuable any any team that acquires him. I mean, he does so much little things. the The biggest thing is he's he's modern basketball genius. Basically, he covers more space than any other big. His pick and roll defense is exceptional. His, His ability to make the right reads is exceptional. His ability to do the little things that if you really just watch him closely and just see the little things in basketball that he does, whether it be calling out picks, whether it be calling out screens, whether it be finding the backdoor cut, say, okay, he's coming, he's coming. He's like he has a, his eyes on a swivel. It's almost like he's a, a catcher. He's a prime, he's like Ivan Rodriguez catching or something like that, where he's just a great defender. And he understands so much defensively. Then offensively, he kind of does similar things to that degree. I mean, maybe he's not as aggressive as we like him to be always, but and he's not the offensive player that we would like as well, but most definitely his versatility, his versatility defensively is, is uh, is to me, if he played for Chicago, he would be getting that Joachim Noah treatment that Joachim had two years ago. But because he plays for Atlanta and no one really watches us like that, he doesn't get the respect. But I also want to go into your next point, which was you you spoke about Baysmore and Basemore's contract and as far as Basemore's contract is concerned I am a little worried about that because Basemore whether we like to admit it or not after your first eight to ten guys are gone which is very possible considering half of them are like you know have like are restricted players they're not even really free agents me and half of them are restricted players and the other half are like stars who are not probably going anywhere I mean, the closest guys who people think they can get is Horford and Conley, and they're probably they're to stay with their respective teams. Basemore becomes that next tier of big-time prospects, and he fits the boat of people who can get overpaid. He's a 3 and D player. He plays – he has exceptional wingspan, so he fits the modern style that teams want to play. He's shown vast improvement every year he's been playing in the NBA, so his potential is still pretty high. Now, don't get me wrong, Atlanta still wants him. I mean, Bud has made it clear that he wants to keep him. But I think financially, considering the fact that we will have to pay him, I mean, we would have to pay also, we probably want to bring sign Humphreys, and we also want to do other things. It seems unlikely that he's going to be brought back, considering that we're talking about Bazemore at starting, beginning level. He's going to start at $12 million per. And there's a chance that a team, a desperate team, could offer $20 million per. So he's going to get paid this off season, and I think we have to be cognizant that there's a good chance we could actually lose him.
0: What are your thoughts on that, uh, Juan? Twelve million a year. Of course, it's not. Of course, like Kenny said, it probably won't be from the Hawks, but from a guy who the Hawks signed on. A, you know, a small deal. A guy who was undrafted out of Old Dominion and, and went from a guy who everybody knew as a cheerleader into one of the best three and D guys in the league. I'm just going to be
1: perfectly honest with y'all guys. Uh, I love Kent Baze more. I understand what he's doing. I love the uh, the Bayes gaze uh, when he be bombing everybody else, uh, video bombing uh, while they're getting the interviewed. But uh, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, just like, you know, with the amount of money that he's expecting, it seems like it's a little bit too much because, like, basically, Baze is just a bench player. Like, you know, we're just going to have to call it like how we see it. Uh, he's a bench player that does great defense, and has a good wingspan, and hypes up the crowd. And um, if he's going to get that money, it's, it's definitely not going to be here in Atlanta because we need to spend that money in other areas so we can try to get better. And um, it's kind of like, you know, falsifying like you know him being in the starting li- lineup because basically he's just a bench player coming off. Like, you know, that's basically what he is. He's a bench player. So I would love to keep Bays here, but uh if it gets a little bit too expensive for our taste, then um uh, you know he's going to find that somewhere else because there's going to be a lot of other desperate teams out there that's going to be willing to pay that type of money for Ken baseball. And oh, yeah. 20 million Yeah, 20 million a year is just too much for Ken baseball, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: well, I I I know um Kenny brought up 20 as the more of the uh, higher range, but but I mean we, we I, I agree with your assessment. He's not we we know what he is. He's an energy, 3 and D. He's a slasher. Uh sometimes he gets a little bit out of his game. He's probably best as a six man. Uh but as, you know, with the Hawks, the way he's been developed and he's um the way they play him, of course he's a starter, but but when you look at the the other things that he brings, of course a lot of teams may see, hey, this is a guy that we can we can put in the starting lineup. So if I can bring this
1: into discussion,
0: um... Kent is not like a
1: Damari Carroll. We're just going to have to call it like how we see it with that. Now, I was sad the way that Damari left uh, because he had to get paid. He had to get his chips and run with it, too. But uh, the way that we're trying to hype up Kent and, like, you know, saying that he's like a replaceable Damari Carroll um, it's, it's, it's not looking like, like, you know, that's ever going to happen uh, because with Damari, you got defense, and you had that dog in him. Damari was that dog uh, that you could use in the playoffs. And uh, sadly, he was a little bit hurt uh, compared to some of the other uh, people, like, you know, with Tabo and uh, with Jeff with his uh, ankle sprain and Paul with his shoulder um, and with Al coming back from his uh, pectoral tear. So the defense has been a little bit slight. No, the defense has
0: been real good, but it hasn't been, like, you know, quite as good when you had DeMar Carroll there. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would have – you sound just like Kenny because Kenny brought up the same exact points. I mean, I give him the floor to talk, but – this is the same exact thing he said a few weeks back. So, I think we're all on the same page when it comes to Baysmore and his what he brings. And of course, he's not a Damari Carroll. He doesn't. He doesn't have the basketball IQ um, and everything. So, I'll let Kenny expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I'm not going to too mu- go
2: too much into it as we we that was part of the uh, first podcast that we did called the ba- in the uh it was entitled the Bazemore conundrum which basically explained that while Basemore is more productive than DeMar Curl as far as by uh, numbers, he is nowhere near as effective or efficient for the team as Curl was because Curl would do so many little things. It's not just the dog in him that we talked about. It's not just that cuz we haven't we, we mentioned in the last podcast that Humphrey's brought that dog back to the lineup. But it's, it's not just that dog that Curl had. Curl did, Curl, had played, Curl did everything with high basketball intelligence. And Curl, while he had a, a, the same amount of energy that we get from Baysmore, Curl also played under control, which we do not get from Basemore. So there's, there's a big difference. And I, I, don't, I, I completely agree with you. I do think that Baysmore at this stage of his career is more of a six-man. But when the free agency comes, teams have money. And they're not gonna, and there's gonna be teams who are not afraid to spend it. And the two guard positions, a position where a lot of teams are having are, are lacking. So he's a player that's gonna be a target, and we just have to accept it for what it is.
1: And everybody's gonna miss that uh, base glaze, guys. You know the base glaze is just taking over the city of Atlanta, so <laughs> it's it's gonna be sad for that to go.
0: Well, uh, when Tim Hardaway is dropping about 15 to 17 points per game, I don't think anybody will be uh, missing it too much. We can always look back. On Twitter and social media from from this year, but uh, let's keep it moving. Let's actually switch it up real quick. Uh, we were gonna actually talk about predict the last the end of the season, but we're gonna switch it up and talk about Jeff Teague real quick, and then look at the end of the season before we wrap this episode up. So Jeff Teague, I mean, we were down on him. Everybody was wondering what was going on. Remember the trade rumors around the trade deadline last month, and now the man is back with the vengeance. I mean, the team left him at the arena a few nights ago in Detroit but I mean he (laughs) hasn't left his game anywhere his game has been A1 and he's been balling out recently you know peaking at the right time I'll go ahead and let you start off Juan Uh, what have you seen from Teague that you like I mean he's shown a lot recently is is it worth keeping him I mean because there's been a lot of talk that let's move on from Teague and let's give the reins over to Schroeder but is is Teague back? What's up with him?
1: Okay This is what the Duke says. Okay, like, you know, Jeff T, my man, I love this dude. He's been doing 15.1 points per game. When he is on his game, he is on it. He is pretty hard to stop. And, like, you know, he he has that energy about him that, like, you know, that's what you're looking for, a point guard. Over this last two-game stretch, um, he's been very consistent over the last last six games. And uh, he has to keep that energy. He has to keep that focus. Going on into the last six games and going on into the playoffs. Now, for the bad news, um, I see Jeff either being traded or walk, or like you know, walking into free agency of next year. Uh, you just gotta look at the fact that uh, Dennis Schroeder is younger and uh, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. I think we see what Jeff Teague is uh, when he's very consistent. He's on his game, but when he's inconsistent, he's not on his game. So, again, you have Den Schroeder that has age on his side. He'll, he'll be uh, 22 at this year. And uh, you haven't fully seen, like, you know, what he has, what he could become So um, while he's coming off the bench. So, compared to Jeff uh, turning 28 this year. Again, like, you know, I love Jeff Teague, but I think he'll uh, be fine somewhere else um, and not in the Latin uniform because we have Shooter here.
2: Yeah, it's not in my best interest to talk about the trade at this point. I think we're going to cover that probably closer, probably to the last podcast once we start getting the off season. But as far okay. as speaking about Jeff, I want to cover the biggest difference, and I think we talked about it in the, the, the first podcast as well was Jeff was playing poorly when he was hurt, and while when he was healthy, Jeff had some decent months. I mean, a decent month, which was November. But if we look at it. Since the trade deadline has ended, Jeff has put up in the month of February and March. In February, he had a 103.3 offensive rating while having a 98.8 defensive rating, also having a 105.9 offensive rating, and a 97 defensive rating for the month of March. And while having a net rating in the month of February, 4.5 and and for March, Plus 8.9. Jeff has been nothing short of exceptional. I mean, forget just those numbers. If you watch Jeff play, the way he's running the offense, the way he's a maestro, Jeff is playing some top five NBA point guard. He's not mentioned by guys. I mean, everyone's looking at Steph Currys, they're looking at uh, currently Westbrook, who's putting up exceptional numbers. I mean, a little, it's kind of cooled down lately, but they're looking at those guys. Those are the guys they're talking about. Uh, Chris Paul. But Jeff Teague has been just as good as any guy we named that's not Steph Curry or Westbrook. I mean, Jeff has outplayed every point guard we put in front of him, other than Wall in that in game one. Jeff has been better than every point guard we put in front of him this year since the trade deadline. This is my issue. This is this is one of the issues I'll probably cover when we do talk about eventually trading, talking about trading Jeff or whatnot. Is the fact that Jeff is a exceptional point guard, and he's getting better. His shooting percentage is extremely high. His three-point percentage is over 40%. His defense is constantly really good. He's fighting screens now. He didn't fight screens before. There's a lot of intricacies that Jeff has worked on in his game. Jeff has become a top five point guard. I don't even want to argue top ten no one. I think Jeff is a top five point guard. I think Jeff has shown that much ability to where he's probably, at this very point, might be our best player. There used to be a time Charles Buckley said that every time he talked about it, him and, um, what's his name, Kenny, Kenny to Jeff Smith, and I would disagree with him and say, no, it's Al Horford and, uh, or Paul Millsap, Most definitely Al Horford over him. But now, these last, since, since February, Jeff has been our best player. He has been consistent. And also you got to consider, he's doing it with only, only playing under 29 minutes. He's playing under 29 minutes a game. That is unheard of. For, for In fact, six men get played more minutes than that sometimes, on occasions. We're giving him six men minutes because we have to split time with somebody who's also very productive in Dennis Schroeder. So what we're getting from Jeff Teague, the second half of the season has been nothing short of phenomenal. He's right there as our second half MVP, and he's somebody who, if the Hawks ever did look towards trading, they need a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. but and you also think about it, it's a it's a lot of good point guards in the league, but it it'll still be interesting to see, you know, what, what kind of return he brings. And of course that's down the line. Still got a, a playoff run to make and everything, but man, when you got Teague and Shooter hitting on all cylinders, that just puts a lot of different a lot of teams on their heels because you think about you got two basically starting caliber point guards. So when you bring shooter off the bench. You know, if he's going against this, the other team starter, if he if he's even going against the backup, it's like, hey, you know, it's going to be tough. So, man, I'm really looking forward to the way this team looks uh, heading to the playoffs in these last few games. We got, let me pull up the schedule here right now. We are heading to the home stretch in the month of April. So it'll be one, two, three, four, five, six games. Got Cleveland everyone's coming up playoff. on Friday.
2: <laughs> like everyone's a playoff team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah everybody a a it's, it's a playoff team. It's a
0: Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> so. the,
2: the schedule's ridiculous, and Phoenix is not a team that we we lost to Phoenix one game who didn't who uh didn't have anyone playing that game, and now they're at full staff.
0: Yeah, so I mean it's a tough final stretch, but it's, it's kind tough. of get to see what what the guys look like uh, heading into these last six games of the year. What do you want to see from the team? How do you want to see them rolling? in? Do you want to see them kind of coast or? maybe rest guys up the past, the last 3 games heading to the playoffs. Um what do you want to see uh Kenny? I want to see them win every game they play. I mean, honestly, they're still fighting for seeding. I mean, I'm not as
2: big as a fan of getting the third seed as I was just because Toronto's just not a team I think we're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think that we're going to come up with a solution for well them to be Toronto. Because they do two things exceptionally well, that's going to be extremely difficult for us, us to stop. And now I know we can adjust and say, well, we could stop the dribble job this way and we can do this this way, but they still have other advantages that they can use against us. And, but besides, I, rather, I like our chances more against Cleveland this year. The one advantage we're going to have over Cleveland this year that they didn't have, we didn't have two year, uh, last year was we get to actually have Jeff Teague guard, uh, playing offense against Kyrie Irving. And we get to have our uh, then Paul Millsap playing offense against Kevin Love. They they work much better when those two are on the bench. And I think that little advantage, that little advantage that we would get from those two being on the court, would help our starters just that much more in the playoff series because they're not going to bench Kevin Love. They're not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not. And I guess they kind of got a not really a lucky draw because of course there were injuries, but. It worked out in their best advantage. Of course, DeMar Carroll went down as well, which had us at a disadvantage. Had Millsap trying to guard LeBron. But, I mean, looking at the playoff standings right now, of course, the Hawks have 45-31. and 31, And with Miami, Boston, and Charlotte all within a couple games of us, the three through the six seeds could definitely change between now and the end of the season. But, I mean, looking at – just real quick, looking at the Hawks' playoff success, this is a nine-year uh, playoff streak. Only team longer than that is the, currently is the Spurs with with uh, 18, and I mean it's crazy the, the type of co- consistency the team has had when we think about the dark years in the early 2000s and certain eras of the team. But uh, Juan, looking at these last six games, is it is it time? What do you what do you want? Where do you want to see the Hawks fall um, seeding wise, based on you know who we may face in the first round or even in the second round matchup? I mean, I still wanna see them uh
1: beat the third seed of uh, the Easter Conference. We just gotta we just gotta try to find something going on because as I reminded uh, Rome when we was talking before the show, um when we faced Cleveland off last year um in the regular season, we uh beat them three out of the four times and then we got swept by them in um the uh the playoffs. So anything can happen and I see what uh Kenny's point against Toronto Toronto is just our kryptonite this year like you know in a regular season but somehow some way there is hope you always gonna have hope like you know something like can come off and uh, who knows we might can make this a series but we gotta try to find some type of formula to beat these teams you gotta try to find some way to beat a Cleveland you gotta try to find a way to beat a Toronto so you can try to have any confidence like you know with your fans and um, with your team within yourself to see if you could actually compete with these dudes. So we lost to Toronto, what, three times? Like, no, then we got to play them again here at home in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we play Cleveland on Friday. So we got to try to have some type of confidence going on um, during this last regular season stretch so we can try to see how we pair up with these guys. Uh, and with my prediction for what we're going to do for the rest of the season with the six game um, stretch. I see us either being five and one or four and two. So with that, so we still got to be consistent. We got to try to find a way to compete with these guys with uh, seeds one and two. And uh, who knows, man? So like you know,
2: we'll see what happens um, once we get into the playoffs. What we're going to really have to do is really hone in on several key areas. And the key areas that we're going to hone in, especially down the stretch, is we have to hone in on. Defensive ability, and when I say defensive ability, yes, I understand that we, we have great dis- defensive uh, discipline, but defensive ability meaning that our guys have to have active hands because we know that we're giving them size. Tonight against Toronto, we did not have active hands. Now, needless to say, Toronto is one of those teams that the ball sticks to their f- fingers like glue. They don't really like passing the ball a lot. But with that said, we have to make sure we have active hands. We have to make sure that, like we did against the Wizards, we are really aggressive. And we're going to have to do that down the stretch. So defensive ability is very important down the stretch, and it's going to be very influential on how we we see our team in the playoffs. And the second biggest thing is our two-headed monster at point guard has to keep trucking. Now, tonight we didn't really get the best night in the world from Schroeder, but in the last couple games, our point guard two-headed monster tandem has been winning us games. The 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 they, what we're getting from T and what we're getting from Dennis Schroeder has saved has particularly you know saved what we're doing and pretty much brought a new element to how we're going to continue to win these games in the playoffs. And I think it's going to be very critical down the road. So it's very important that we go into the we go into the playoffs on a winning streak. I also like what Juan said, you know, the possibility of going 5 and 1, 4 and 2. Personally, I want to go 6 and 0. But hey, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But we most definitely need to win more than we lose. I honestly want to go 6 and 1,
1: uh 6 and 0 also, you know, but you know, Cleveland and Toronto have our numbers, so we got to look at that possibility as well. But I feel you on that, Kenny. I want to go 6 and 0 as well. So, it's just one of the things where we have to be realistic. But as a fan, like, you know, you want to win every game. You want to win every, every game beyond this stretch.
0: Yes, sir. We want to see the the Hawks finish strong and head into the playoffs on a good run. And, you know, we're going to keep it on a good run. We'll be back probably in the next couple of weeks, right before the playoffs, to kind of preview that matchup that we'll have and, and see how hopefully everybody stays healthy and everything. And we'll see who the Hawks will be playing. So before we uh, round out, I'm going to let everybody uh, plug your social media where people can find you or post or wherever. So, Kenny, go ahead and, and let people know where they can find your writing and your posts and everything on message boards or social media. Go ahead.
2: You can find me well Spoheleth on the
0: uh, on the Collie.
2: And I also want to say thank you to Hawk Squad for listening to our podcast and being uh, supportive. You can, yes, sure. you can also find me under NBA Soups. You can also find our great hosts, on the NBA suits as well. Do you want to let them know who you are on, on the Hawk Squad
0: real quick? Uh, I, I don't remember, even remember my uh, – <laughs> what was my name on Hawksquad? Thank you to the people on Hawk Squad for checking us out. And uh, they were looking for the podcast. Um, but I, I can't remember what was my name on there. I guess I need to pull that up. But, nice uh, yeah, and me that quick. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember, man. Ron B. I'm Rome B on, on Hawk Hawksquad. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate them checking it out as well. Um and shout out to the collie.com as well. Go ahead, Juan, and let people know they can find you, man. Well, first off, I want to say thank y'all guys for um, allowing me to be on with the
1: podcast with y'all guys today. Uh, it's been a very joyous experience. It's my first podcast. Uh, for the fans you can find me on Facebook at Juan Davis the second. So that's Juan Davis with two eyes. And on Instagram and also on uh, Twitter is JD2. So JD the number two the do. So JD two the duke. And um hopefully I'll be able to do this again with y'all guys and um, continue on and um, keep learning as I uh,
0: continue on the
1: word of broadcast,
0: man. For sure, for sure. We appreciate you and uh, like I always say, we always like having knowledgeable uh, fellow fans on whether it be on Hawk Set or the Bird Bros Podcast or any of the podcasts that, that we hold down. Uh, everybody remember, you can check the podcast out on iTunes. It's also on SoundCloud or if you need the RSS feed, you can always just shoot shoot me an email at hawkset.com at gmail.com, or on our Twitter, Hawks at Pod, and uh, I can give you the RSS feed or any uh, links or questions you may have. We're always uh, down to answer, and just keep checking us out. We appreciate everybody listening. Hold it down. Go Hawks, we'll see you all in a couple weeks. Peace. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, shout it!